like, whoa. Well, I was in, a, I was in worship last year at our youth camp, uh, plug for that, and as we were just, just in deep, we were just soaking, and I mean, the, the presence of God was just so thick in the room, and keep in mind, this is last July, and uh, as I was just praying, I just felt a really, really intense, intense presence on me, and what it did, it actually, it just forced me to the ground. It, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, where you, you've been in worship, and it's, it's so strong. It's not like, I'm going to kneel before God. It's like God says, you're going to kneel before me right now. And I just, I just went down to my knees, and I'm, I just buckled over. And it wasn't like a, Him pressing me down, but there was such a, an urgency. There was such a, a, a presence coming on me. And it was really good, but it was, it, was, uh, it was almost, it felt like it was just kind of controlling my body. And I got I uh, got a word. This was July 18th of last year, and um, I, I like to write stuff down as soon as I start hearing things in these moments because uh, sometimes they're going to make sense, but sometimes they're very prophetic, and you're not going to understand what you're getting because it's it's for another day. But the very fact that the Holy Spirit is impressing upon you these messages, it's him actually, it's him just like he did in creation, as he's speaking worlds and universes are being created, that which weren't there before. And upon receiving these words, sometimes they're not confirming what's already there, but they're actually creating what never was. And as I'm just there, I get this word, I'm going to read it to you verbatim. I get my son, this last year, this is July. The devil doesn't want this one. He will be. He will be. <laughs> he will be the ultimate insult to Satan. Amen. The ultimate threat to the presence of darkness. His uh, his name will be praise. Yes. His name will be the proclamation of heaven. His name will be Judah. His life will be the music of heaven, and uh, and then this was a this was a little more uh, specific. He will fill the voids of the missing lyrics in people's lives, and uh, that means a lot to me. How many guys? Uh, how many guys are poets? How many guys have ever written? Have you guys have ever written anything? You ever have writer's block? Or have you ever, uh, okay, we've all done this. Everyone who's here has had a school paper. If we've entered into education in America. Anyone here, you've had a school paper. And you are like, what do I write about? What do I, like, you get a topic and you know what you're supposed to write about. And you can only express so much. But then you come to this wall. And I just, I just felt that my son is going to go in the presence of people. And upon him walking into the presence of people, those words, those lyrics are going to start coming out of people. And it's not going to be necessarily in, in the avenue of writing. But for me, 
that meant a ton because I'm a songwriter. And I can't tell you how many unfinished songs I have. I have, I have about three albums worth of unfinished music or unfinished songs. For me, music, see, for me, music is easy. I can just like, and I can, I can put it out there. But when it comes to, I don't know if you guys know this, but when it comes to writing music, a song will keep it, a song, uh, the, the music and the notes and stuff can be really hooky and they will grab you. But lyrics will keep you. You know, you can have a really great song, but a dumb topic you're singing about. But you can have the worst chord progression in the world. And if your lyrics are what they're supposed to be, people don't care how simple or how detailed the music are. What keeps them coming back is the message. And I think what, keep, what, what, what that really symbolized to me was that the things that people could not finish, when, when he enters into their presence, there's going to be a fulfillment of what they couldn't do before. And maybe, maybe that's a word for someone in here. Uh, maybe you're going to be the, uh, the editor. Maybe God is giving you guys an anointing for editing in other people's lives. What if, what if you are coming into contact with people who do not have the grace to finish their own music, their own song, and as you walk into their life, they are just going to be, whoa. And it's just going to start coming out. Anybody receive that? I don't know if that's for anybody in here. But uh, I, I think God's bringing a fulfillment to the, the songs of yesterday. I think God's doing something in our, in our own life in, in a prophetic way. Thank you guys for, for that. I just wanted to share that with me. I'm really excited. He's going to be here. Judah Rain Galligan is coming to... Uh, nursery near you July uh, he'll be here July 14th and uh, that's about just that's pretty close to one year uh, after I got this word so we were really excited about that um, today uh, we really just wanted to talk about uh, wanted to share on my heart true riches that's, that's really one uh, the Holy Spirit was just kind of putting on me, and I wanted to, if you guys could turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to be reading quite a bit of scripture today, and we're going to go really fast and not very long, so uh, you can put your seatbelts on, and um, hold on for the ride, and uh, pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for your spirit that has just been such a spirit of liberty, spirit of freedom today. I thank you for what you're doing in the leadership. I thank you for the anointing on Aaron that's dripping down his beard and just getting all over his clothes. We just pray for the anointing oil to get all over your body today. Just, Just lather us with the anointing because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Lord, I just, I just thank you for that. I thank you for doing such an awesome thing. I thank you that, that when your son was baptized, the heavens were ripped open so severely they would never be shut again. And those open heavens are falling on your people till this day. They're just, they just keep coming. And I thank you that the windows of heaven are open and we are just seeing 
uh, greater works done in your people. Your son prophesied that greater works we will do. And we, we're going to live in that reality that we are doing greater works. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when 1 Samuel 17, um, I wanted to preface, we have an interesting topic in so what I wanted to do is I kind of wanted to give a little bit of foundation of how to digest what we're about to say. Um, you can call it an introduction. But one thing that, um, that my dad and our leadership here is, is really awesome about is introducing, making you understand what your gifting is and feeding you and helping you in that direction, you know, you can come, um, you can come into a, a lot of jobs where the boss is—he wants you to be just like him. And in my own experience, a good boss wants you to have certain certain disciplines, but you're going to have your own personality. And something that really grabbed me was in. 1 Samuel 17, was something that happened between David and, and Saul before Saul went out and, and slew Goliath. Do you guys remember that story? Y'all, y'all know David and Goliath? Okay, good. Because if you don't, um, we, need a, we need to have a call for salvation. We need to a little bit more. So I, I'm just, uh, my Bible, my Bible stops. I'm just going to grab it here on my but one thing that I really noticed is that here you have a young man who, he's, he's what, what is he doing? He's tending sheep. He's out, he's doing, he's doing stuff for his dad. And um, he doesn't go and ask his dad to go out to the war. His dad goes and says to him and says, hey, go visit your brothers, take them these gifts. And he gives him some cheese and some crackers. So he's got some saltines and some cheese whiz. He's hanging out to hang out with his bros. Just kidding. That's not what happened at all. But uh, all of a sudden, David goes out and he sees a very disturbing sight. He sees, he sees the army of God afraid. I don't know if you know about what are the spirit of fear or not, but that's the wrong spirit on people of God right there. We have not been given the spirit of fear. And it is just for me something to see that a young man so trained with the presence of God comes up and he sees his older brothers and he sees a people lined up and he's thinking, wait a minute, this does not make sense. You guys are, why are you guys scared of this guy? And, and there's just something that can strike you and paralyze you. You guys ever been in that place where some, you get news and it paralyzes you? And something in the back of your mind says, why am I paralyzed about this? And, and there's a very, there's a really, there's a battle. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know what's right anymore. Like, you're, all your convictions, your disciplines, your, your lifestyle, your passion 
upon this one declaration just seems to totally vanish and disappear. And one thing that David, he comes upon this, and one thing about being in the presence of God is you keep your focus. You keep your focus on something that you're, you know how to flush out what's not true. And this is what happens in, um, in verse 31. I'm going to read this. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported. He's, he's like saying, guys, what's wrong with you? Why are you so paralyzed? And, and, and it says, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. So here's Saul, the king himself. He's, he's, he actually is, when he heard the words of this young man, he sent for David. See, when you know, you know the nature of God, you're going to be presented before kings. And what happens is, verse 32 says, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. See, to me, I like that. Because David wasn't going after the lion just because... He got a sheep. He was going after the lion to kill the lion. And to me, that's that's crazy focus right there. You know, you just don't you don't just like try to scare the enemy away. You, you kill the enemy. You you slaughter him to where that thing is not coming back in your house. You deal with the problem, and it's gone. And in the spiritual sense. So we read that when I went after it and I struck it and it delivered the, ma- the, the lamb after, uh, out of its mouth. Then the lion turned to him, caught it by its beard, struck it and killed it. Must have known some like judo or something. I don't know. Karate. That was like a... All right, let's keep going. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul, now, listen. This is what I, I want. If you guys write in your Bible or highlight in your, uh, highlight in your phone Bible, uh, I like to highlight verse 38, 39, and 40. So Saul clothed David with his armor. And he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, Remember what we talked about last time, what the staff represented. And he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook 
and put them in a shepherd's bag in the pouch that he had and his sling and his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. And here's what I here's some things that I just want to preface here is that there's a difference between the spirit of a champion and the method of a champion. And there's there is something that is in a lot of people today that thinks if I could only copy what you do, I can have the environment you create. How many of you guys know that did not work out too well for the sons of Sceva? There has to be an anointing with you that works with you. And something that I really drew out of that story was that, you know, just because prior generations had victory using the sword doesn't mean that the next generation will use the same tools for victory. And as leaders, you have to understand you had a method that the Holy Spirit gave you and they're going to have a method that the Holy Spirit will give them. The important thing is not the method. The important thing is the Spirit. And what we are to train our children in 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 the next generation and even understand for ourselves was that God was not trying to get fathers to get them to copy the methods. He was trying to get them to understand the spirit that they were in when they got the method. So when their kids were in the spirit and they got a method, they understood this is the same spirit that my dad was in. And they would operate and there would be a new method for the new generation. The next generation is coming up with different technology than the older generation. And it's very foolish when the older generation mocks the new technology because what happens is you dishonor that generation and you render your influence void. When older generations say, oh, I don't understand all this, whatever. You do not understand that your generation had a glory. The next generation is going to have a glory. But a lot of times it's in the same spirit that you were in. And you got something new. And we need to learn to honor forward to the next generation. When we have young people that don't know how to honor the older generation, maybe because they've never had honor installed in their own life. How can somebody give something that they have never experienced themselves? And to me... It is a, a, it's weird when someone expects something out of someone younger and they're supposed to be the one training them. And something that, that Dad spoke about a couple weeks ago is that if you, want your, if you want the person, if you want your kids to humble themselves in submission, they need to, they need to feel what it feels like to have someone else submit to them. And... You're like, whoa, whoa, are parents supposed to submit to kids? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that they have to feel the spirit of the moment. That way, when they feel moved to be to humble themselves to their parents, they will know what to do. You know, I, the, one of the best things that my dad ever taught me was to say I'm sorry to his wife. He said I'm sorry to my mom. In front of me, Jared, and Aaron. That was 
that was very uh, that was one of the best things I could have ever seen because what it did is it totally it broke down the perception that I always had to be right and it, what it did is it displayed what restoration looks like that really helped me just turn to your neighbor and just say I'm sorry I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry now this is a hard one because that, that can be easy. Well, try this one. Turn your neighbor and say, you were right. Oh, man. Whoa. You know, I think that was the altar call. We can go home now. That's all we needed. It's one of the best things you can ever do. You know, it's, you know, it's interesting. We, we have such a, a worry about changing our minds. We think that... You know, you know that the very spirit of repentance is that you change your mind. And when you say you were right, you're actually operating in the spirit of unity. And you are the one operating in the spirit of Christ. It's not necessarily the person who has right information or the right method. It's the person of submission. It's the person who's submitting is the one who is actually moving in the spirit of Christ. That will turn the table on your marriage. That will turn the table on your kids. That will bring authority and that will bring restoration, unity, and progression in your family. And as we're talking about the restoration of the family, I think it's something we're learning how, we're learning what the things that we learn, we're learning how to extract the right things and throw out the wrong things. Because... You can correct somebody and have right information in the wrong spirit, and it doesn't matter. It just it, it doesn't do any good. And so, I, I, one thing that's that's really helped me out. So, let's move on. Um, a good le- a good leader recognizes the strengths and abilities of future champions, and doesn't mandate them to have their own. One thing you know, my dad has always said, David, you're going to go farther than I am. You guys have said that to your kids. You're going to go farther than I am. You know, you know that that is actually the heart of God on you, moving. Like, you speaking those words is actually God speaking through you. And here's how I know. Because here is Jesus, totally without sin, doing amazing things. And yet, he turns to these, the 12 stooges, and he says, Greater works... Will you do? Wait, no, Jesus. You know what? In, in the, the, the disciples didn't have a problem with that. Because good leadership creates an environment for those under you to go farther than you. Like, it's okay when your kids are going farther than you. And I, I, know, we, I know we know that. But, but can we also say it's okay when your spouse has a greater anointing on certain areas than you? Is that okay? Like, it, my wife, she's going to come up here and talk about money. She has an anointing for money. Like, cash money, dollars. She is awesome. Like, we need to, just, I want her to pray over y'all's wallets this morning. You know? I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, it's crazy. It's amazing, and we have to learn to honor the other person, not only honor, but praise their giftings, and not look for praise back, just say, you know, you're, you're really good at this, what, what am I good at? 
you know, that's, that's silly. That's, that totally reveals your immaturity. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. But I really hope this message stirs up a spirit of victory in you. That it's, um, that it's something for you to be aware of and to know how to, um, to extract honor um, in situations. You, ever, you understand the concept to magnify something? When we say magnify the Lord, when we say magnify, you know what magnifying is? The magnifying is making something bigger than what it actually is. You may have experiences in your life where God did something purposefully small to see if you would magnify it. Don't, don't think that experiences are small because he might be seeing, you might want to see what tools you're using or what he, he wants to magnify you. And he's seeing if the tools he gave you are the tools that you're using. So, Amen. When we're talking about money, and we're gonna we're gonna move in this in the area of money right now, real quick. There are three things in the church. Well, I won't say in the church. There there are there are three there are three things parents feel awkward talking about that I have noticed. This is my limited experience. One is their testimony because they feel. They have a hard time expanding on details with their kids. Um, the other one is money, and the last one is sex. These are three areas that I see that just, it feels, it's just an awkward moment where parents sharing with the kids is their testimony, their money, their financial situation, and sex. They, they don't know how to talk to their kids. Why? Because there's usually such a tie with condemnation with these three areas, and there really should be, especially in the church. You want to know why? You want to know why my generation is not in the church? Is because parents didn't know how to talk about their mess ups with their kids. And what happens is when you don't know how to talk about your uh, promiscuity and you don't know how to put it under the blood, what ends up happening is. You don't talk about it. They're curious. I love what Chris Valentin says. He goes, you know what You know what a sex drive means? It means you have a, a desire to have sex. And a lot of people think that sex drive is wrong, but God gave you your sex drive. The church needs to rethink. They need to have their minds cleansed with the blood of Jesus so they could talk about the things God gave to humanity. And what happens is, is, this generation has such desire for the things that God has given them, but because the church doesn't teach them, they have to go learn it somewhere else. And God wants to heal you because my generation and Reagan's generation, my daughter, is going to suffer when we don't learn how to put things under the blood of Jesus and say, you know, I, I did some dumb things. I did some wrong things. But God is moving, and here's the right way to do it. So I, I appreciate, those are three things, but, but money is also a huge aspect, because it says here in, um, I'm gonna, if you guys don't mind turning to um, Luke chapter 16, verse 11, 
I'm reading the New uh, English Translation, and it says in Luke 16:11 says, "If then you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you haven't been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you your own?" This is something that. Um, that the church is, uh, is usually really one-sided on. You have a lot of churches that are just really, really beating the prosperity bandwagon. But then you have others that are just like, give it all away. Give it all away. Give it away. You know how many churches close because they don't know how to balance a checkbook? It's, it's really sad. It's not a good testimony. And... At the same time, there are churches that close and, or they grow stagnant because all they do is, is teach the dollar bill. And your blessing is, is completely tied with the dollar bill. And I think, it's very, I think it would be very good for us to be people of, of really good stewardship in both sides of that coin. If that's okay. Is that okay? Does that make sense? You know, God, God wants you to be blessed, but he doesn't want your, your definition of it to be solely tied with the, the bottom line balance you have. There, there are times of transition and there are times of testing. But that doesn't mean you are any less blessed at one point than the other in life. Amen? And I thought it was very interesting in the Bible that when God tests you using money, the reward is more influence on the land. When, when the parable of the talent he gave the three men money. And then when he came back and the one who he gave five, he turned into ten and he got the one that the guy buried. He, didn't, he said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And then he, will, he made him steward. He didn't give him more money. He gave him land. <clears throat> to me, if you want to know how to steward creation... Learn how to steward some money first. It's just a base principle. It, it doesn't mean that that's your that's the that is the high point. It's like the foundation. How many of you guys? How many of you guys give your car, your kids car keys when they turn sixteen? No, you say clean your room, take out the trash. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with whether or not they can drive a car. It has everything to do with whether or not the foundational principles are there. They have to be responsible to drive the car. So finances are tied to true riches in the kingdom. And I think it's important for us to learn how to steward that. But right now, I wanted to have Kim come up and really just give her testimony because there are some things that she really gleaned from in, in learning, that, uh, learning the spirit of, um, of stewardship as she was growing up. And uh, I'll just give her a hand. Thank you. I'm going to sit down because it's easier. Um, anyway, um, David just asked me to share some things um, of how, how I got the vision that I got to in finances. And it's just, it's a passion of mine. I realize most people don't have that passion. Most people are like, okay, let's just get the check, go to the mall. I like stewarding finances. It may sound weird, but I like it. <laughs> so that's my thing. 
And I'm um, just going to share with you how some foundations were laid as I was growing up that made me who I am and how, how I got my vision. And of course, you know, everyone has a different look on finances. And this doesn't just apply to finances. It applies to so many different areas of life. But this is just my, my area. And David's going to interject sometimes too. So that's fine. He has permission to interject. <laughs> okay. Um, well, when I was, um, there's a couple stories of things that made me um, really grasp what I wanted. Um, when I was in kindergarten, there was this doll called Baby Alive, and they still make it. It's a wonderful doll. And um, I wanted that doll, and it wasn't Christmas, and it wasn't my birthday, and I wanted that doll. And so my parents said, well, you can work around the house and make money, and you know, maybe you'll make enough for the doll. It was a $20 doll, I think. So I did dishes. I swept the floor. I was in kindergarten. You know, I got a dollar here, a dollar there, a dollar there. After a few months, I had the $20. I was like, yes, I can get baby alive now. So my dad took me to the store, Target or something like that. We walk in and I had my money. And he said, and we go and we go see the doll. And he says to me, now, are you sure you want baby alive? <laughs> and I said, yes. I've been waiting for months for baby alive. My friends at school have baby alive. I want baby alive. He said, okay. He said, but you know. If you save that money and you can get some more money, you can have something better later. Something better than Baby Alive? <laughs> What's better than Baby Alive? There was nothing bigger in my mind at that time. Baby Alive was it. I said, no, we're getting Baby Alive today. We bought Baby Alive, went home, loved Baby Alive. Baby Alive was great. I got a lot of use out of her. She was a great doll. But that lesson stuck in my head. And I took that with me the rest of my life. That if you wait, you can have something better. And that goes to so many areas of life, yes. too. That there's delayed gratification. That you may want something right now. And it may seem like that's the only thing out there. And that's the best thing. But there's always something better that you can wait for. And if you're willing to wait, you can have that. So that lesson was very valuable. Even though I did get baby alive at the time. You know, it was just, I never thought there was something better. But so many things can be instilled you don't think that a kindergartner would catch a lesson like that. Um, but kids at young ages can really grasp onto things. Um, another, um, another thing, um, another story. I was a little older, probably like 10 or so, and um, I was playing. My dad said, hey, Kim, you want to go wash the car for $5? I'm like, no, I'm in the middle of playing. I don't feel like washing the car right now. And I said, no, I don't want to wash the car. And he said, oh, okay, because now you're going to wash the car for free. <laughs> I was like, oh, now I have to wash the car for free. Well, of course, anytime Dad asked me to wash the car for $5 after that, ran right out the door, got the hose, we're washing the car for $5, because I know what comes after that. And that really taught me um, just the value of a work ethic. And how when there are opportunities to work, and there are opportunities to do things, to go ahead and take it because you may not have that opportunity again. And um, not that we're to be workaholics or anything, that there's balance. And, and everything that I'm saying, please take this with balance, that this may seem like the opposite side of the, you know, the, the balance there. But that was just something that, that I learned that, you know, 
if you have an opportunity to take it, or it may, you may not get that great opportunity again. So those are a couple things that really laid my foundation um, for, you know, my um, financial vision. Um, let's see. And then when I was 12, I kind of got a, a my my big vision of what I what I wanted. And I started writing down every month how much money I made and how much money I spent. And because I've seen my parents do that. They would write it down because, you know, when you get money, we all know, if you, you know, you can get money and all of a sudden you're like, where did it go? I don't see what I bought. Where did my money go? I don't know. So writing it down was a way that we, I was able to see my parents had done it. You see where everything goes. And then you're like, oh, well, I guess I didn't need that. I kind of would rather have the money because there's something else I would rather have. Um, so it just gives you a visual. So I saw my parents do that. This wasn't something they told me to do. I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing it down every month. And I had a small allowance. You know, I took out the trash and picked up after the dog and stuff. And, you know, I had a, a few dollars a week that I would get. And so, of course, and at, even before that, you know, I had been tithing. That was something that was instilled in me. So I did. I tithed off of my few dollars a week. And um, I had a, a goal of what I wanted. I, I love houses. I love to go to model homes. My mom and I go to model homes all the time, and I just love houses. And I knew that when I get old enough, I want a pretty house. That's just something that I want. That's, that's my big, bigger than baby alive picture. And um, so anyway, when I was 12, I started saving my money. Um, uh, you know, and I would tithe off of that, and then I started getting babysitting jobs. When I was about 13, 14, and um, when I was 15, I started working at Tom Thumb. Um, couldn't wait till I was old enough to get a real job, you know. And, and during that time, I was just working, working. Um, my brother and I started a lawn business when I was 16, and uh, we call it well. My dad called it 60/40 because I took 60%, he took 40% because <laughs> I was the owner operator and um, I collected the money. So um, Johnny was a good worker for me, but um, we did that. I cleaned houses. I was just, I was always working. I had my goals. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't spending money on frivolous things because I was writing down everything that I had spent every month. And, um, and David and I knew each other. We'd grown up together, and, you know, he remembers people calling me. Oh, we're gonna go to a movie? Oh no, no, Kim's not gonna go. Kim's saving up for money. She's not gonna spend any money. She, she never she, hung out with us. <laughs> I would hang out when you would hang out and not spend money. <laughs> yeah. But if there was things, I was like, <laughs> I don't need to spend seven dollars on a movie. That's seven dollars that I don't need to waste. You know, things like that. And I realize this is like, whoa, you're really I cheap. I actually and do remember <laughs> one time she did get ninety-nine cent chicken nuggets from Wendy. <laughs> one time. One time. The only thing I, I remember. I have food at home. <laughs> so during that time, um, oh, I lost me. I'm not going by my notes really anyway. Um, anyway, um, I started, I was interested in the stock market. I started you know, buying and selling some stocks at that time. Um, I opened my first Roth IRA when I was 15. I was just really interested in financial stewardship. Um, I was saving at least 80% of my the money that was coming in at that time, and I was, um, you know, tied 10%, and I probably didn't even spend 10%. Um, when I turned 16, I wanted a car, and that was already in the plan that I was going to purchase the car. 
So I paid cash for my car at 16, and I still had a bigger, bigger plan, bigger than the car. The car was not the end of the plan. I had my bigger plan. Paid cash for like a $5,000 car or something. Bought my car when I was 16. And, um, you know, could have bought a better car. So, you know, I'm going to buy this car because this is something sensible, and I'll have my, my other, you know, goals later on. Um, uh, what was I going to say? So you're probably wondering what, what were you working for? What was your goal? And I, almost, I wasn't going to say what my, my goal was. And Dave was like, you know, go ahead. I think you should give the number because I think that makes a little more impact on people than just saying, you know, my goal was to graduate with a, a large chunk of money. And um, so anyway, my goal was $30,000 by the time I graduated. And I had $30,000 by the time I graduated and a car. And that's not just, you know, okay, good for you, Kim. Wow, you know, that's, that's kind of crazy that you just didn't have any fun and then you had money. Great. <laughs> but it was a lifestyle that I, I chose. It wasn't that I didn't have any fun. You know, my, that was just a, a training for what I wanted in the future. And it wasn't so much about the, the money, um, but it was, it was just developing the, the mindset and the bigger picture that there's a – you can – there's so many, there's bigger stuff out there for you. There's bigger stuff than just making your, your bills every month uh, and paying your creditors. There's just, there's bigger things for you. And this is just the financial outlook of it. But there's bigger things for you in your family. There's bigger things for you in your spiritual walk. God wants to bless his people and he does. And you just have to grab hold of that, that he can empower you to take hold of that. Um, so, um, let's see. Where are we after that? Um, did, you, did you want to? Uh, well, yeah. Sorry, I was trying to get yeah. the picture. Oh. <laughs> um, it, was, it was very interesting because when um, Kim and me, we grew up together. And uh, I, I've known her since I was eight. She was seven when we first moved here. We were, we were always friends. Um, and I always knew she was quiet. She was always very quiet. She was always very disciplined. She wasn't like, she wasn't introverted. She just was very, uh, she just was really wise. And you can confuse uh, introverted with, or type B personality and just think, oh, they're just, but people are thinking. They have a plan. Sometimes they just, they don't share it with anybody. And it's actually wisdom. I think it's wisdom that she went, I mean, here she is going out and not blabbering about how much money she has. She's got a goal. She knows she knows things what she wants. She knows things that she doesn't want. And to me that, you know, when I graduated, I, I think I uh, I had a guitar maybe. You know, and that was cool. I thought that was awesome. But I remember when we started uh, when we started dating, um, when we started dating and we were dating for like a, a year and a half, to close to two years, and it was pretty serious. Um, I, I was a, it was a month before I turned 20 before I started dating Kim. Um, and it's so funny, asking John, I asked John if I could date Kim, and it was the scariest conversation I've ever had, even though I'd known the guy my whole life, and it was a spirit of fear. And uh, John... John smiles at everybody, so, you know, so we're getting, um, I'm 
asking Kim if I could, uh, asking John if I could date Kim. We've been dating for a year and a half. And all of a sudden, um, we, look, if you're dating and like you're just going forward, it's only a matter of time before we start talking about marriage, before you start having visions of you and the other person and what you're going to become. And so uh, it had definitely progressed and we were just, we were enjoying our our accountability and our fun times. We were having a great time in our dating life. And right before I, I was proposing, um, or going to propose, it, the Lord had put it on her heart to share with me her her financial um, her situation, where she's at. And she told me she how much money she had upon graduation. She didn't tell me how much money she had at that point. She just and to me, I got to be honest. There was such a. Uh, it was I had never had such a, a a mixed emotion so high, and it was. I am so proud of you. What have I been doing? <laughs> and it was. It was. It really was. It was the epitome of being proud and embarrassed, because I had never. I had never known anybody to do that. If someone was wealthy, it's because uh, you know their parents had a ton of money, and they just came into it. But here's somebody who was like, I finally got, I understood in that moment why she was. Hey guys, I can't hang out with you this weekend. I got some. I have work to do. Oh, I can't. I can't do that. I mean, she would go to youth camp with us and stuff. And you know, uh, on a youth outing, but we used to go out after church. We'd go out to eat. Our youth group would go out every Sunday and every Wednesday. We'd hit up Wendy's or Taco Bell or something like that. And she'd say, "Oh no, I'm not going to be able to go." Thank you. She was very nice about it, but she had a goal in mind. And I think, I think to me that was that was something that really revealed to me about young people is when you give them small goals, there's such a you give them, you don't give, you don't challenge them. And it's like if I give somebody a challenge to climb, to climb Mount Everest, they're not going to waste their time on bunny hills. They're going to be preparing. They're going to be getting strong. And that's what she was doing. And when I heard that, I was just like, "Wow, wow, that's amazing." And and something something in me switched on. I was challenged. You know, do you know how your kids can be like, um, they, they want to do something, and then when you're like, why do you want to do that? And they go, well, so-and-so else does it. Someone else does it. Well, for me, it was like that, only it was in the positive sense. And I think, I think the positive reinforcement, I think the positive vision has to be put out there. You know, you know. Wait a minute. If Kim could do it, why can't I do it? You know, and that really challenged me. It was, and so I, I really appreciate that. So, well, after that, um, and he told me how much he had, and <laughs> I, <laughs> and I, I, I knew, but he really caught the vision at that moment, and I, you know, you, you think. Maybe you think your spouse can't change and they can't stop spending money or maybe you have an issue there. He changed at that moment. He stopped spending money frivolously. 
he started saving. He was living at home, working full-time, and he saved up a large chunk of money before we got married because um, he, he, saw, he saw the vision. He saw what I saw, and um, he caught it right then. It was really amazing and, and a, a big blessing to me because he knew that <laughs> this, this was a vision that wasn't going to die, so <laughs> 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 this is something we're going to have to go with together. So <laughs> he, he, he caught that, and i um, very proud of him to this day. He still has that vision. We still share that vision. He does, he does not spend money frivolously. He deserves to go out and spend money. He works extremely hard, and he go out and get whatever he wants. And he knows that we both know that if that if there's something that we really want, we can have it. But we take things practically, um, and our decisions are, are practical decisions because it's not just about things. It's There's such a, a peace and a freedom yes. that we have because of the sacrifices that we made. And, um, you know, of course, that's, I'm talking finances, but this touches so many areas of life and different things that sacrifices that you make while you're young or while, you know, at different times that can just affect your future and give you that peace and that freedom. Um, anyway, um, we're, we, David and I are very different, but we blend very well. Um, you know, I have the practical side, this, you know, we don't need that. We don't need that. Let's, let's save the money. And David is a very generous person. And if, if I weren't in his life, he would give all his money away. And, <laughs> and, you know, I need that. I need somebody like that because I may not have given as much as we give. Or, you know, that may not, there's no, I have no problem tithing. It's just been something that's just there. You just do it. And even though it doesn't make sense, um, and even, you know, uh, people that are financial experts in the world that aren't Christians, I mean, Susie Orman always says to give a certain percentage, I think, and it's something around, around 10%, I forget. And, um, you know, I'm not endorsing her, but she has wisdom. She has um, principles. She knows these, these people know what works. It does work. And um, so David and I balance each other out so that, you know, we... we yeah. You had some more comments on no, that. No, it's when we're... Uh, and, and it's like uh, to me. Here's where I see. I see. A, I see people like us in that sense. You have someone who's like they are hyper giving, and you have somebody who's uh, uh, hyper saving. And uh, just so you know, um, we're both constant works in progress. But for me, I really felt the Holy Spirit uh, tell me. Because I'm like, God, you know, I would really love him to have a desire to give to people because she doesn't want to. And and he's like, okay, just keep talking. And I'm like, you know, it's just what it was is, is it wasn't it wasn't my version of what giving was. And when you start moving somebody, when you start dragging people or you start pushing people towards your way rather than leading them to your way, you have totally lost, um, you have totally liked the likeness of your Savior. You know, I, I, Jesus led from the front, and he didn't push people to follow him. He, he would, people were drawn to him. And the Holy Spirit started saying, look, if you want your wife to have a desire to give like you do, you need to lead her to that place. And guess what? 
If you aren't making her feel secure with the grace that she has, she won't want anything to do with your grace. And that was really that. What you know what that did? That made me really work on self control instead of Kim control. God did not put you in your other person. God did not bring her to me so I could work on her. God brought her to me so she could work on me. And to me, that is a word of the Lord. That's the whole reason why uh, Eve was brought to Adam. Like, she's bone of my bone. She is flesh of my flesh. She is, she is, she is, she is, she doesn't oppose me to oppose me. She opposes me to perfect me. And to me, it, it's, and this has been said so many times, marriage is not 50-50, it's 100-100. And I, I don't ever give anything to her with any, like James was saying last time, I don't give anything that I expect in return. Me giving to her, me giving and displaying that is simply my expression to her and it's unconditional. And the same back at, back at me. And, and for me, that was a really, uh, really eye-opening moment for me, saying, David, I actually want her traits in you. And what happened is when I received that spirit, and I, I really just let that whole giving thing go. I honestly, hey, hey, honey, if you feel, if you feel um, we should give to somebody, I think you're hearing from the Lord. And I can't tell you how many times she's come to me and been like, you know, I, I feel moved to give to this person. Or like, I'm just like, that's amazing. Okay. And like she knows what my heart is to give, but I know her heart is to save, and I actually want to honor her grace. And you know, God, and God speaks us together. I mean, so many times that there's been something that we're like, you know, but one of us has come to the other person about, and we're like, oh yeah, we we already felt that, and we had the same number, or we had the same idea, or whatever. Um, so that, I mean, that's really neat that, of course, of course, God does that. <laughs> um, but just to finish, just to wrap up our our story. Um, not that we're done, but <laughs> we're only, I'm only 30 years old. Um, but anyway, um, we, you know, surrounded ourselves by people who had similar visions. Uh, my dad and my brother-in-law are my mentors um, financially. And we, you know, we talk about money when we're together as a family. It's not that anybody's bragging or anybody, you know, there's not any kind of tension. It's a learning from each other. It's a, um, there's an openness um, that's really been beneficial for for all of us i think and it's been something i i've really enjoyed that learning from them um uh, so after we'd been married and we lived in an apartment and we were saving money and we had um you know we were ready to to purchase a house we had a a good down payment and we've been looking and looking and there was setback after setback when we were looking for houses and um, just another time that God showed his faithfulness to us. I mean, we looked for three years, and it was disappointment after disappointment of putting in offers, and I mean, it was just this, it was just clearly God closed the door. Like, okay, there's no other way this is humanly possible that God is closing the door, and we have story after story of times where God closed the door in these houses, and we were just like, so frustrated. We just felt like we just kept putting ourselves out there, putting ourselves out there, and um, we were driving around one day, and there was this land... Um, 
and we had circled on the map, you know, what area we wanted to be in for our location with work and so forth. And we saw this land, and there was a builder that we were interested in, but we couldn't really afford them at the time. We couldn't afford to build um, at that time. We, we didn't want to put ourselves in that situation yet. And we saw this land, and I said, man, wouldn't that be awesome if this builder built on this land? This is like the perfect location. And we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, we, we can't, we don't want to pay for that right now, but maybe in the future. And um, it wasn't long after that, I had told David, you know, we're happy here. We have, we have everything we need. We have a wonderful place to live. We have all of our needs are met. Maybe we don't need a house, and I'm perfectly happy. And I had to get to that point of contentment that, you know, yes, I have big vision and, and, and big things that, that I feel that, you know, are going to happen, but, but I'm perfectly happy where I'm at. Not few, just a few months later, guess who's building on that land? Our, the builder that we wanted. So we go, you know, found out about it, go check it out. Um, we were able to um, build a house that, that we wanted that was, when I was, when I was 12 and I first started saving, I would draw out floor plans. I was, I just liked to draw out floor plans. And, and the house we have is very similar to the type of floor plan that I was interested in at 12 years old. And, um, you know, we, we got our house. We were able to put a lot down in the house. And the house has been such a blessing to us. It's, and not that we're, we're done saving and giving and, and stewarding our finances, but that's just been the, the thing. And we bought our house six years ago. I was 24 years old. He was 25. And um, anyway, that's, um, that's that part of the story um, with our, our goals and so forth. And, um, and the verse um, in Proverbs about um, storing up or um, giving inheritance to your children's children always spoke to me as well. And that's something I'm going to give a spiritual inheritance to my, my grandchildren, of course. But I also want to leave them with a monetary inheritance. That that's something that I felt like was spoken to me. That that's something that I want to do. And, um, and with that, my story, you know, of what God did for us. There's, you don't see it in, in Scripture where there is, there is not a, a blessing that they can't hold along with the spiritual blessing that was given. The actual blessing that was passed down was something was something tangible. And I know that true riches, the Bible talks about in the New Testament, it gives us all these symbols in the Old, to talk about uh, in, in like Romans 9-3, it talks, it talks about the, um, it all, I wrote out all these references where our, the riches of his kingdom, of, of there's inheritance in the saints, True riches are the, is the glory found in Christ Jesus. True riches is wisdom and knowledge. True riches is, and like the list goes on, uh, the riches of His grace. There, there are all these riches, 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 riches. And we're really a people of wealth. And the reason why, and this is what I see, is it's because God has just given Kim an ability to steward things. This is interesting. You know, I was talking about uh, when you steward money, you, God gives you a grace and he gives you, it's a test to steward over land. It's just, this is uncanny of how many people come to Kim. And we have an HOA in our, in our neighborhood and people have, random people come up to Kim and say, we want you to run our neighborhood 
uh, our neighborhood activities and our neighborhood, like, you know, community uh, fun stuff. And they, they want her to run it. They don't even know her. They just walk up and for some reason, something on her says, I can run land. I can run things. And that's just the Spirit of God moving on her because she has, she has received an, uh, an inheritance. She has received favor. Randy talked about favor today. That's, there's, there's a growing favor that's coming on this house, but favor comes through stewardship. The Bible says that Jesus grew in both uh, with favor with both God and man. And favor is not something that just is thrown at you. It's something that you um, you are responsive to. And I, I really I really thank the Lord. Thank you, kid, for, for sharing that testimony. Because I, I see true riches in this woman because she learned how to steward something tangible. God is giving her just an abundance of the invisible. And... Uh, um, how many of you guys would like your wallets blessed this morning? Just, you just want that? Let's just take our wallets out and just lift them up. And um, Kim, would you just would you just pray for us this morning? And I, I'm we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. This is not this is not stopping here. We're going to do some more prayer. But I want I want it to be reflected here. I want I want the riches of God to be reflected here. Doesn't mean it's limited. It starts here, but it's going to be reflected. Does that make sense? Can we just bless us? Would you just pray over us? Yes, thank you, God, Lord. Thank you that you love to bless your people, that you have wonderful things for your people. I pray for every person here, whatever situation they're in, continued favor in their life, God, continued favor on their finances, on their wallets, on their marriage, Lord, yes. on their families, God, that you would just impart bigger vision yes. into their minds, Lord, yes. bigger than what they thought, bigger than paying this month's bills, Lord, that there's going to be bigger pictures of what they're going to do, bigger than just restoring the fight they had with their spouse last night, God, but bigger, bigger vision in everyone here, Lord. And you would just impart power in us that we'd be able to accomplish these things, Lord, and I just pray for for anyone struggling, I pray for jobs, Lord. Thank yes. you for the jobs that you have provided. Yes. Thank you for the jobs that are already here, Lord, that people are um, that may be in need, that they would just reach out and grab hold of what you have for them because you yes. love your people, that we are not just, you know, oh, oh, poor me, we'll just see what happens. No, you have good things for yes, your people. Lord. You want to bless us, that we can continue to pour out into others, that we would be your vessel. And I just thank you, God, for continued favor. Pouring out vision and, and revelation, God, into everyone's hearts and minds that we would just see things in a new way and just grab hold of what you have for us, Lord. Yes. Amen. I just want to also pray, Lord, right now you would just unlock ideas. Yeah. Lord, right now you would just uh, unlock, the, unlock the world of invention to your people. Yes. You would unlock uh, the world of medicine. I ask that right now you would unlock the, uh, uh, the world of new uh, business models, you would unlock the entrepreneur spirit within this house, Lord, people who have had a, a desire to do something on their own, uh, not, not because they're running from something, but there is a genuine passion in their heart to create, 
uh, Lord, I just confirm that that's just the nature of their Heavenly Father right there in them. And right now, uh, like we said before, we know that your blessing is going to be reflected in our finances. But Lord, we know that it is not limited by our finances. Lord, that uh, Lord, the, the inheritance surpasses, Lord, anything we can ask or think, God. I just thank you. Like Kim said, Lord, let us dream big. Lord, let us let our dreams get us in trouble. Lord, let our dreams, Lord, just be be big. Let it set us up, Lord. And Lord, we know that between the between the palace, Lord, um, and the dreams, there's Lord uh, Joseph, Lord, as he even got in trouble with his dreams, got thrown into the pit, and went into prison, Lord. But it was through those things. It was his dream that kept him alive, God. It was his dream, Lord, that got other people out of trouble, Lord. It was his dream, his ability to dream, Lord, that gained favor with Lord Pharaoh, Lord. I I just ask for renewed dreams in your people, Lord, that we would not be a slave to mammon, God, but we would learn to steward. We would learn to steward the riches of your grace, Father. And we thank you right now that you are just going to... um, you are going to take us right now where our mind could not go before we heard this message, Lord. That you are just unlocking the thoughts of heaven upon our minds. You are renewing our mind with the goodness of God, with the message of how God is moving in our lives right now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 How many of you received something there this morning? I want to tell you, I I really appreciate the testimony there. Uh, Just lots of wisdom there. We just appreciate that. And, uh, you know, there is a principle in God's word. What we sow, we reap. And when we sow in stewardship, uh, there is a reaping. You know, I, I also feel the Lord, the Lord wants to bring a spirit of increase in the area of launching. I believe the Lord wants us to begin to launch our dreams. I think so many of us, we hold on to a dream, we let the dream die. I felt like the Lord was just speaking to me. He wants to blow on your dream. Some of you need to really bring that dream out. And it's been like an old garment in a closet. God wants to begin to blow on that dream. And I also want to say one last thing. I know our time's gone. You need to bring your dreams before the Lord. The Bible actually says this. It says, ask of me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. But we we need to really come before the Lord and say, Father... Begin to lay the path open and give guidance in my life. And do you know God will begin to do that? I want everyone to take your hand. I want you to look at your hand. There's a word that God gave Moses. He says, the staff that is in your hand will become the rod of God. Let me just say this. There are things right now in your hand that is a seed And as you begin to sow that seed, you sow it in stewardship. You sow it through giving. You sow it through giving of your time, your life to others. 
God will bring that back into your life. Multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen? It's within your hand. Someone this morning, God wants to touch what is in your heart, what is in your hand. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to close. Amen. This is part of our family power series. We Thank you, David and, and Kim, for such an amazing word this morning. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. Lord, we know that it's your desire to prosper and for us to be in health, even as our soul prospers. And Lord, we pray this morning as we come, as we're growing as a church, to be in health and to, to grow in the Lord and grow in our trust and our faith in you. As we come to learn to trust you, Lord, in all things. And Lord, follow you as we learn to hear your voice. Lord, we just pray that you would continue, Lord, to just open the windows of heaven and rain upon your people. I pray, Lord, that we would come with a sense of expectation and a sense of faith in these coming days. Lord, as you lay out before us, Lord, as you quicken our hearts and our minds concerning what you've already said and spoken to us, Lord, we will not be lack or we will not just become mediocre. See, and, but we will begin to excel and grow and increase in these areas. Father, we pray you'll give us strength this afternoon and rest. And we give you praise. And everyone said? And don't forget, folks, this Wednesday we're going to have prayer and fasting. And then this month... <laughs>